Welcome to the MMA Geek C-Level Podcast. This is Stan Jarive with my friend Nick Braccia, here to talk about last week's UFC on ESPN Plus 19, where Joanna and Jacek beat up Michelle Waterson in the five-round main event. We're going to talk about this week's UFC on ESPN 6, Reyes versus Weidman, in which we see the former middleweight champion Chris Weidman come up to face Dominic Reyes, the up-and-coming prospect at 205. Nick, how is it going, man? It's been okay. I just got in from Texas. Uh, where I had was out of town, um, seeing about a family illness, so I was down in Austin uh, when there were crazy rains down there, and then I came back into New York tonight, and there were crazy rains here. Otherwise, a little bummed in the combat sports world because uh, Patrick Day, boxer that was on the undercard of the big event from Chicago uh, over the weekend, passed away. He never regained consciousness after getting knocked out. Uh, in the 10th round of his fight, and that's the second high-level boxer on a televised fight to basically die in the ring in the last three months. I mean, of course, he didn't die in the ring, but he, but they received, they got brain injuries so badly in the ring that they never more or less recovered following the bout, uh, and that's twice in three months. That's it, Something's up. I don't, know, uh, I don't know what, but something needs to change. Yeah, in boxing in particular, from what I understand, there are 8 to 10 deaths a year on average, I don't think it's nearly as many in MMA, and I'm not sure if the difference really is that in boxing you can get knocked down and then they allow you to get back up 10 seconds later after an A count and take more heavy, heavy punishment as opposed to an MMA where if you get knocked down, you often get finished uh, with some you know lighter ground-to-pound strikes. I'm not sure what it is, man, but it really is bad news. I guess a sport in which the entire focus is causing head trauma, essentially. I mean, there's plenty of body shots in boxing, but... Really, the main thing that gets fan interest and gets fighters' reputations is knockouts. It's head trauma, right? Yeah, it's and, just likely to happen. And all their, sp- I guess, all their sparring is like that. And they, I mean, they hit really hard. They're obviously using heavier gloves, but I think that, uh, generally speaking, I think that boxers punch a lot harder than MMA fighters. Um, yeah, I, I guess when you're refining your technique purely yep. and just throwing hands, you're just going to be so much better at it odds-wise if you're dedicating six, seven hours a day to that alone as opposed to an MMA where you're focusing on so many different things. That makes sense, Nick. But there need to be some some ways for either the referee or the ring or the ringside doctor to uh, you know stop a fight before before it gets to before it gets to this point. I was just wondering if you saw any clips of that fight, if there was a late stoppage or something. Yeah, I did. I have, and it was a it was a competitive fight. We're talking the guy that got killed was a, um, you know, he was a Golden Gloves fighter and an Olympic alternate. I mean, he wasn't wow. Like I think he, you know, he had a few losses already. He was coming off of a loss, but he was a, he had, you know, he was losing the fight and he got knocked down three times ultimately. But there were. I, allegedly there were rounds that he won and there were certainly times when he was he was very he it wasn't a um it wasn't a mismatch and neither was the fight yeah, and neither was that. was the fight where uh the russian fighter died um in that's guess, right there July. was a russian fighter who i think fought in brooklyn also and I, from yeah. what i understand there's an uzbeki i don't know if it's mma fighter that died within the last year and a half or so uh, i'm sorry within the last two or three weeks i saw a headline so it is happening even in MMA. It might not be as frequent there, but it really is yeah. an issue. I do like. I, I'm curious why haven't there been serious studies into what the differences in head trauma might be to an MMA fighter versus a boxer? I wonder if the bigger gloves, even though they maybe reduce the chances of a knockout, maybe it's just prolongs a fight where rather than getting rocked early, 
and getting finished, you're you just keep taking slightly lighter blows. I think that has a lot to do with it, but I don't know. I just I like to see combat sports get a little safer. But on a you know on a positive note, last week's card was pretty exciting. We had a new rules format that made uh, I think for an interesting show and uh, for me a better time watching the fights. But you still Same won. Same here, man. But you still won. I, there were a cup. You know, there were a couple of things could have gone my way. They were very. It was a very close decision, and and if Max Griffin had just held it together, uh, for the you know for a, a very specific thirty seconds that he was that he got his butt kicked, he would have won that fight. So you know, snatching uh, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory again. But maybe this will be my week. What uh, what impressed you on the card? I didn't think Max Griffin was 30 seconds away from winning the fight. I thought he lost two rounds fairly clearly, but he clearly won that third round. He looks so good, man. The guy has but so he, much heart. He was but, winning, but he was winning. He he won the he won the second round, except for when he took serious damage for a short amount of time. Yeah, and, and almost got finished at some point. I guess a few of our picks. I actually ended up going six and one with my picks. And so I'm actually curious, Nick, we haven't spoken about this off the air, but would you rather do kind of a total number of points? So in other words, uh, at the end of this event, I might be two points ahead of you, and then we keep it to a point total. That way, the number of fights that we've won at the end of, let's say, a season, at the end of the year, that's what kind of can determine the winner rather than going event by event. Because I feel like if I beat you by one or two fights in the next two events, and then you beat me by six fights in the event after that, you know what I mean? It, it, It kind of... Like the number of fight picks that that we made correctly yeah, that might works. be pretty close, but I may be far ahead. So so I guess we'll keep it to a point system and go from there, which is different from the way we used to do it. As you guys remember, hopefully you guys listened last week. We essentially did it based on a draft system. Each of us got to pick a fighter on the card, and we kept going until no fighters were left. The idea is that the more winners you pick, the more points you get. I ended up picking Joanna Janjacek, Baerza, that 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 UFC debutante, Figueredo, Gracie, Vera, Davis, and Price. The only loss I took on that one was the Gracie loss. You ended up picking Dern, Vittori, Pena, Aldrich, Anders, Griffin, and Span. Some really solid picks there, but a couple of them didn't pan out for you either. I think you went four and three. I went six and one. So it was fairly competitive. And to be honest with you, I agreed. With you on a few of your picks, I disagreed on Griffin. I thought Morona was going to do his thing, and and he did win those first two rounds before uh, really getting drowned by Griffin, seemingly, in that third round. Pena, Frivola, that's another one that we disagreed on. It was a close fight. Pena had a little bit of a temper tantrum when he didn't get the decision, but I, I thought he I thought he clearly lost one round. One round was, you know, competitive, and another round he clearly won. Mackenzie Darnman did not come through. And that's one we both agreed on. Gracie didn't come through either for me, and that's one that we agreed on. It wasn't a good night for the grappling experts. I think it goes to show that if a solid, solid expert has a rounded enough opponent to keep it the fight out of the realm of their expertise, that's enough. And Cub Swanson's wrestling was good enough, and Mackenzie Dern's opponent, Amanda Rebos's striking was excellent. Didn't seem like Dern really effectively was able, was even close to any takedowns. And Rebos really gets a lot of attention from the ATT coaches. They think she's a real, real prospect at the 115-pound division. She showed in this one. She looked really good against Dern. Let's talk about the main event, man. Joanna and Jacek, vintage. It's like she never left. It's like she never faced Rose or, or Valentina Shevchenko. Came in there and pieced up Michelle Waterson. Outside of maybe 30 seconds of Waterson having her back and actually working on a rear naked choke and not, not being too far off a finish there. Uh, it was a pretty one-sided bout. What did you think, man? 
of the main event in particular, it it happened. It, it went down more or less the way that we thought it would. Uh, Joanna Jankic, um you know, I think that she was very confident going into the fight. I think she felt strongly that she um, she was a terrible matchup for Michelle Waterson, and she fought. Uh, I think more. I don't want to say she didn't fight her last two fights um, confidently, but she didn't seem exactly like herself after getting KO'd by Rose. She fought well in the second fight against Rose, maybe a little tentatively at times, and I felt like she never really got going against um, uh, Shevchenko. And she just, but she just looked like a monster world beater. Like she threw so many strikes, she was so fast. She fought over half the fight with a broken foot. Um, her sprawl, you know, was tight. Her takedown defense was terrific. There was just, it was just a really, really bad mashup for, uh, for Michelle Watterson. And, uh, it really was. And, you know, Joanna looked like a, she, you know, she looked like a champion. Um, I think she's going to be, a, I think she's going to be a tough, uh, tough fight for the current champ. Uh, I think she'd be, a, I think she'd Wei be. Wei Zhang. Yeah, Wee Li Zhang. I think she'd be a tough fight for Andrade again. Uh, so we'll see. But she's right back. Uh, it shows you how quickly you know, things change. She lost two fights to Namayunas, and uh, now she's right back in the in the mix. Um, I thought Swan- Swanson Gracie, I did not feel like it was a fight of the night. I thought it was a pretty boring fight. Uh, I didn't think so much it was Swanson's wrestling as much as his ability to... Uh, I thought that his footwork was really good and that he was able... Um, to land and throw lots of shots and get and get keep himself in a position not to get taken down. Um, I thought that he's, he's, I thought he was elusive and that was the key for him. Cause you could see that it was hard. Like he was obviously the better striker, but he had to not just worry about letting his shots. He had to worry about not getting, not getting wrestled. Um, and that always makes a not terrific striker look better if the good striker has to has to worry about that and and punch uh, and kick at the Absolutely. same time. So all that all that considered, and knowing that his back was against the wall, where he hasn't had a, a lot of he hasn't looked good in, in many of his fights. Well, that's not true. He hasn't looked he hasn't looked terrible, but he just hasn't. He's 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 lost a bunch in a row, right? Um, yeah, he was on a four fight losing streak leading into this. Yeah, one. four fight losing streak. I mean, he'd fought Frankie Edgar twice. He, you know, he um, that last fight was against. Oh my, I forgot the guy that beat him. Uh, the fight before this, uh, Shane Burgos. Shane Burgos, younger, faster fighter. Hinato Moicano, Frankie Edgar, Brian Ortega. I mean, it is a who's who of prospects and veterans. He really was, and he's still he's still a really good fighter. And he was too, you know, he was too, I think, I don't know that Gracie came in pompous, but he definitely said that he thought he won the fight. And I don't see any, any way you could have given Gracie that, uh, that fight on the scorecards or that it was, or that it was fight of the night. It was, you know, uh, it was, it was fine. And Swanson did a nice job. I didn't think, I didn't think Gracie did much except land some shots on a guy who had to be very, very worried about the takedown. Um, yeah, I agree. I think if you're going to give, Kron Gracie serious credit for the fight. It's just the fact that he was moving forward almost the entire time. He wasn't really cutting off Cub Swanson, which is why his forward movement wasn't all that effective. He was countering occasionally and landing some decent-looking shots on Swanson. But you're right. I think a lot of that was because Swanson was more concerned about the takedowns than he was those boxing strikes of Kron Gracie. Kron showed heart. He certainly didn't win. I mean, I think him claiming that he won the fight is... Pretty much what you expect for the son of Hicks and Gracie, who who claims to, to this day that he's 400 no or something crazy like that. And 
He's also training partners with Nate and Nick Diaz, and those two have never lost a fight if you ask them. Also, so Gracie, Gracie thinks that the earth is flat, right? Oh, that's right. He also thinks the earth is flat. So I guess maybe take a lot of what he says with a grain of salt when it comes to opinion making. Cub Swanson did look good. He had to use his footwork in his countering game. He wasn't in one place at any point, which didn't really allow Kron to clinch him to really get into a position where he could take him down. Kron is not a guy that shoots. He kind of has that almost hoist Gracie, like stand up straight, kick your way in and and put your arms around the guy and drag him to the floor, take his back kind of uh, style. He didn't even really try to pull guard in this one. I don't know if it would have helped him much. I think Cub Swanson was savvy enough and experienced enough to avoid his offense, especially if Cub Swanson was going to be on top. I think if Kron was able to get on top, take us back, I think any like very well could have submitted the fellow black belt and Cub Swanson, who actually has multiple submission losses in MMA. But Cub did his thing. I certainly think he deserved it. I don't see how this is fight of the night at all, Nick. You and I both agreed. Matt Favola versus Luis Pena was clearly fight of the night. That was yeah. a back-and-forth war. It was a close decision. That was definitely fight of the night. Both guys were hurt at different points. Both guys seemingly were close at some points to potentially finish. That was a goddamn exciting fight. And it was, I think, leagues above Swanson versus Gracie, even though it just seems like the name value of that fight is really what gave these guys credit. Gracie gets all this credit for not dying and, and falling apart within three rounds. And and Swanson you know, gets credit for snapping that four-fight losing streak. I'm glad to see him win. This is a fight... You know, I, we mentioned, I think both of us did, that Swanson is the more overall skilled guy for MMA. But Kron Gracie had that one specialty, and my concern was that Kron was going to be able to get a takedown at one point or another. And once he did, I figured that he would be able to finish. He never never got there. Cub Swanson didn't no. I, I love that. I, I think it's great to see Swanson come back with the victory here. Yeah. Nico Price, man. Yeah, what well, a devastating upkick. Yeah, it was. It was over James Vick. It was good. I, th- I mean, my takeaway from this fight is the same as my takeaway from the last James Vick fight. I don't need to watch James Vick fight anymore. I don't like watching the same yeah. fighter get knocked unconscious and stay there for one, two, three minutes while the camera focuses on something else <laughs> and the di- and the doctors try yeah. to. It's. It's just stop. Just get, yeah. do something else. Be a trainer. Do something else. But you, he clearly, um, and it's not. It's not a knock on the guy. Physiologically, he is not capable of taking punishment. No, not at this point. And and here's the thing: if you're going to lose by knockout to Justin Gaethje in late August of 2018, and you're going to lose to Paul Felder, and you took some fairly heavy shots in that fight, even though he didn't take a knockdown or a knockout. Dan Hooker knocks you out less than a year after your Justin Gaethje knockout. And then, literally within three months of being knocked out like that, with that left hook and ground and pound from Dan Hooker, you go in with Nico Price, who is a heavy hitter, who gets knockouts from every position, bottom, top, standing up. Yeah, it wasn't a good style matchup for him. Coming up on weight against a heavy hitter who, although not as tall, at least as big. And he took a knockout. He said that he's going to take some time and then decide what to do next in his career. I hope he takes a year off, man. Whatever he needs to do to do that, at least. He doesn't seem like the type that will just retire. He certainly doesn't seem like the type that will stay retired. So I really do hope that he takes a serious chunk of time off and then fights grapplers for a year out of the UFC. He can he can go through a couple of mediocrely athletic guys who are mainly grapplers, knock those guys out, win some decisions, get his confidence back, give his brain uh, some time to heal, and then he can come back to Bellator or the UFC or what have you and then start to benefit off the name that he's already built. Great win for Nico Price, though. That man yeah. continues to be must-see TV. He does not fight boring. He gets knockdowns or knockouts against almost all of his opponents. No, we need to and see him we need to see him fight Mike Pierce. 
Oh, that would be great. I would love that's uh, the one. Nick, I would love that. Dude, match. I am the match. I am the matchmaker. Uh, I do want to quickly. I do want to quickly ask, since you are the matchmaker extraordinaire on this podcast, you want to end Jacek? You're thinking Whaley Zhang. She just just go straight to oh, the title shot. I mean, despite the fact that she's coming off a couple of losses. Yeah, but their losses to. I mean, their losses to Shevchenko and and Nami Yunus. I mean, what else? What else do you do with her? I don't think Tatiana Suarez is there yet. Um, and certainly not in name no, value. I don't think so no, I mean, jo- listen, Joanna is a global superstar. She gives great press conference. She gives a uh, great weigh in. Her style is very exciting, even though she doesn't score a ton of knockdowns. She's she's you know she's the boogie woman. She's fantastic, and yeah, why not get why not give her a shot? I don't think anyone is uh, is interested in seeing Andrade get that rematch right away, and I don't know what Nami, uh, Rose Namajunas is up to. She seemed like she really wanted to step away for a while. So yeah, like which is jo- great for Joanna who jo- lost to Rose. Yeah, twice, and all right? the yes, exactly, and all the, Joanna all Joanna wants is to be champion again. So why not? That's what I that's what I say. Who are you thinking for Watterson? Oh boy, um, uh, Claudia Gadelia might be a good matchup, kind of on Gadelia's comeback tour with Watterson uh, having an opportunity to show that she still got it. That might be a fair matchup. Um, Carlos Sparza might work well as well. Actually, they're both essentially atom weights who are competing at the 115 pound straw. That's that. Yeah, although Sparza's coming off of the win, uh, Alexa Grazo coming off of that loss to Sparza. That's the fight. Yes. Watterson Grazo. That, that is a, a fight. Sense. That's I'm into that, and you know what? It would be presumably an exciting stand-up fight. I think Watterson would go for takedowns and probably try to finish it there. Yeah, but it could be exciting if Grosso can keep it on the feet. If they want to give Watterson a fight, that I mean, because remember, Watterson, I believe, is one of the only fighter, one of a handful of fighters who has a separate deal with IMG. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if she maybe got like Atisha Torres. Um, kind of a tune-up that makes a lot or, of sense. Yeah, or or maybe Amanda Rebus, but I don't think Amanda Rebus is a tune-up. Uh, so no, yeah, we'll we'll see. Maybe good, maybe Gadea. I think Waterson probably wins that. Um, that'd be close. Uh, maybe Tisha Torres. Maybe Grasso. Grasso would be the most competitive, most interesting fight. Uh, so I agree. We'll see. We'll I see what what happens. Um, who do you have for Cub Swanson next, Nick? For Cub Swanson, going in and looking at the uh, the featherweights, man, he wasn't even, he wasn't ranked he wasn't ranked in the top fifteen, huh? Um, I would I would You're give him I would give him the winner of Rodriguez Stevens this weekend. The winner? I would think the loser. Well, I mean, I mean he did one just, four in his well, last Cub, uh, in his last five. Yeah, but Cub did just win, though. Yeah, I would give him. I mean, one of the one of those two guys, I think, makes the most sense. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, I can also see Josh Emmett working. Ryan Hall could be interesting because this is like a good test for Hall in that Swanson gets to fight another uh, elite grappler who maybe has a more rounded game and and has a lot more opportunity standing up. That's interesting. Right. Well, yeah. Who did Ryan Hall fight in his last bout where he did all kinds of weird? It was Darren Elkins. It was Darren Elkins. Darren Elkins. That's right. Yeah, that's I right. would. I would get Darren Elkins, BJ Penn, and Gray Maynard 
Artem Lobov before that. I mean, he is taking only names, and I think Cub Swanson kind of fits the bill if he was willing to I fight agree. BJ Penn, who's on a multi-fight losing streak. He should certainly be happy to fight Swanson, who's coming off of a win over Kron Gracie, of all people. So I can certainly see that one working out. I think that that's a fight that both guys would take. Both guys have potentially something to gain from with Swanson kind of potentially on a comeback tour here. And I think for Swanson, it's nice not to have his feet to the complete fire at all yeah. times for a little bit. Maybe Let's, maybe give him a little bit of a break. Agreed. Let's talk about Mackenzie Dern for a second. She has to – geez. First of all, congratulations on having a kid and being in the cage four months later, for better or worse. Yeah, Regardless, I mean, for, for better, like it's impressive. At the same time, stop with the parking lot striking – Jeez, like just like lunging forward, like throwing that looping right hand with no, it's got, it does not look like a train strike at all. To be honest with you, I actually think her one, two is pretty solid. I think her right hand is decent. The problem with Mackenzie Dern is that she only throws one combo and it is. I mean, she doesn't even throw single shots. She only throws you, a jab cross. She, was, is, she wasn't wasn't she winging? I thought she was winging a lot of overhand rights. Maybe as the fight wore on, but it was just one twos from Dern that I saw yeah. consistently. And Amanda Rebus, almost every single jab cross that came at her, she slipped out of the way of that cross and landed a clean right hand of her own. Mackenzie Dern needs to definitely develop her stand-up game. Look, she looked in incredible shape, way, way better shape than she had ever been before that pregnancy. She actually made weight seemingly without issue this time, which is great. I still don't see a whole lot of upside in her. I never did. I never found her to be likable in in much of a way. Like I don't, I'm not interested in interviews with Mackenzie Dern. I don't necessarily find her attractive. Oh, um, I I disagree. Not, I disagree with both of those things. I I uh, you I, disagree with all of the above. You think she's star quality still? Yeah, I think she has a. I think she has a, a great attitude. Her lifestyle is really cool. I find her. Uh, I think she. I actually think she is attractive, and um, I mean, it's always fun. It's it's always been funny that she you know grew up in Arizona or whatever. But like when they they would bring out the they bring out the the tra- the Portuguese to English translator uh, for her like that that whole thing like clowning her because of her the accent allegedly being affected. Yeah. I get a kick out of, but. Listen, she's some, she seems like someone who loves to compete, and she always shows up and goes right for it. Yeah. And she's done pretty well until you know until this fight. So uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a I'm a fan of any I'm a fan of anybody who's that good at one thing. And you know, she surfs and stuff, and wanted to have the kid, had the kid, and got right back into it. Like I see, I think she's I think she could be a star for sure, but she, not uh, not with that striking game. Maybe a fight against Carolina Kowalkowicz, if Carolina comes back anytime soon, might make sense for Dern. And for Rebos, maybe a Cynthia Calvillo, Alexa Grosso would also be a good matchup for her. Marina Rodriguez, Carla Esparza, any of those girls that don't have a matchup I think would be great for her. Kind of a step up, but not such a step up so that she's in the heat of it facing the likes of Jen Jacek and Suarez. I think that might be just the right kind of bottom of the top 10 list for her. Yeah, I think uh, I, despite Carolina Kowalkiewicz's problems uh, over the last couple of years, I think that's a bad matchup for Dern. She's still going to be way, way ahead of her um, kickboxing. I think KK's so mentally out of it that, I mean, it's yeah. entirely possible that she just gets taken down in the first round like Claudia Gadelli was able to do and just gets submitted by Dern. It's possible. I think she's got the skill to do something about it, but clearly she's not in a good mind frame. She's not doing well. She's not fighting up to her potential, not even close. I'm not sure what's going on in her personal life, but I feel like that could be all the difference that might actually work 
in uh, Mackenzie Dern's favor in that matchup. But you're right. It would be close on paper. I'm sure odds-wise it wouldn't be too far apart. The move, I mean, I know she made weight this time, but uh, like 125 is still a very thin division, and I feel like she'd be able to move up the ranks fighting lower-level competition there. Strawweight strawweight is just killers. Yeah, she, yeah. Um, so I think I think she should be at one twenty five. Um, I think you're probably right. It's it's it, they're bigger girls, but they're slower. And you're right, the division's not as deep. So she can make it all the way up to maybe even a title shot. I mean, Jessica yeah. I just fought for the title. Yeah, put her up. I mean, let her fight. Have her fight Roxy. That'd be a really good fight. I mean, yeah, one twenty five is a place where as much as I love her, like Joe John Calderwood's a top is a top three, top four fighter. Um, yeah, like there's. I think there's much. I think there's more upside for Dern at 125. I couldn't agree with you more. Matt Frivola, Luis Pena. It was a competitive fight. Man, was it exciting as hell. Matt Frivola is just a fucking dog neck. He does not give in. He doesn't give a shit. If if you're eight inches taller than him with a with a six-inch reach advantage, he will get to you. He will pressure you. He will take you down. He will hit you. He will spin you. Uh, spinning back fist. He will do whatever it takes, Nick. But that man gets it done in almost every case. He is now 8-1. And his one loss is in a fight in which he got caught very early by Polar Reyes, who's not a very good fighter, who I think most of us would pick Frivola over in a rematch any day of the week. But his one loss is to Polar Reyes, and he just caught him in the first minute of their bout. Really goddamn good fighter. The reason I chose him is because of his hustle, man. I'll be honest with you, Pena did, especially in that second round, better than I expected, although I'm a believer in Pena. I think he's a good, good prospect. Frivola just looked really good in the first and third round. Came back after a really rough second round in which he was almost finished by Pena to dominate in that third really impressive goddamn performance and goddamn it these two deserve the 50 grand fight of the night bonus yeah i wish they had gotten it um zipping through the rest of the cards we can get to the picks on uh ufc and espn6 eric anders beat gerald mershot in a fight that impressed nobody i don't think anyone thinks anders is going anywhere close decision could have gone either way i I agree um spawn is very strong very fast it was uneventful until it wasn't uh, Mike Davis yep. beat Thomas Gifford so badly that the referee was taken off of his further assignments for that night. Yes. Um, Man, that was insane. That was such a beating on four days notice too. Yeah. Which was a good move. Uh, um, Stan's already talked about Alex Morano uh, winning perhaps fewer minutes of the fight that Max Griffin did, but definitely did the most damage. That's my guy. Now. Um, Davison Figueroa um, choked out. Tim Elliott, which I didn't think was going he to happen. Took care of business. He did. Yeah, that's another one that we disagreed on, actually. Yeah, I thought it would be close, but uh, and Mar- uh, Marlon Vera beat Andre Ewell as we predicted. Miguel Baez beat uh, yep. Hector Aldana as we thought, and the f- you know two of my favorite fighters were in the first two fights. Marvin v- uh, Vittori beat Andrew Sanchez. Vittori should get a main card bout in his next in his next fight. Um, Middle. You got anybody in mind for Victoria? Uh, Nick? Let's take a let's take a look. I I definitely think he deserves a top fifteen fighter. I'm thinking. I know Uriah Hall and Ian Hinesich are coming off of losses, but I do think those would be decent style matchups. Yeah, Uriah Hall is coming off of a win. That might be it. I think you're right. I think that's. Uh, I'm going to take a quick look at middleweight here. Yeah, I don't really want to see him fight Brad Tavares. Plus, Uriah Hall is kind of a very very poor man's Israel Adesanya. I think it's good practice for that sort of matchup for an up-and-coming guy. Edmund, Edmund Shabazian would be really interesting also. 
Yeah, that would be prospect versus prospect, and you would risk losing yeah, one of these. Yeah, I know you don't. Prospects. I know you really don't like the prospect versus prospect bouts as a co-main event of a decent card, or as a main event of a kind of a lower level fight night. That makes sense. Yeah. I just feel like putting them randomly on, on some card doesn't make sense because you're really going to knock off a prospect. I would be very, very excited for that fight. So what else do we have on that card? Not much. Not much. JJ Aldridge. Oh well, yeah, I love Aldridge. Uh, Mueller yeah. Aldridge fight was actually very close, but. Uh, Aldrich, I think, took it 30-27, at least according to one of the judges, maybe two of them. Fairly competitive fight. Laura Mueller looked pretty good at some bits of there, and I, I was a little bit worried about Aldrich not coming through, but she did. Nick, let's take a break. We're going to get into UFC on ESPN 6, Reyes versus Weidman, a card with a lot of meat, a lot of names, and some fairly solid prospects when it comes to the guys we haven't heard of. So plenty to talk about. We're going to take a break and come right back to you guys. We are back to the MMA Geek C-Level Podcast. Nick Braccia, myself, Stan Drive. We're going to talk about UFC on ESPN 6, where Chris Weidman, former middleweight champion, coming back into the fray, going up against the up-and-coming Dominic Reyes, who's been looking really good at 205 for a couple years now, a guy that we haven't really seen a whole lot of takedown defense from. But we're going to get into our draft-style picks. Yep. As you guys know, each of us will take turns picking fighter on the card until we go down all throughout the card. They don't have to be in order. You're just picking based on who you think is very likely to win first and all the way down the line. Nick, last week you had the first pick. This week I will have the first pick. Now, in this particular event, there are an odd number of fights. There's 13 fights. So the way it works is that you and I each are going to make our six picks, and then there's going to be a tiebreaker. Because I'm the first one to pick the first fight in this event, I'm going to be the one to make the tiebreaking pick, which means you should be rooting for the opponent of whoever I pick. That'll decide the event on the off chance that we have a tie in the six original picks. Nikolai, the first pick is mine, and for the first one, I'm going to choose none other than Molly McCann. God damn it, Stan! Yeah, that was—I'm sure that was your first one too. She's going up against. Not only am I a big, am I a big fan of hers? That was going to be my first pick. I hear that. Yeah, she's uh, she, actually looking at it now. She's the biggest favorite on the card. I—I I didn't realize she was that big of a favorite. That's just insanity, considering her opponent is 13 and four, but she's fought really really shitty opponents it seems like she went on a couple of very low yeah people with zero and one record yeah zero and one and zero and zero is exactly and it seems like and she's not even like running through them necessarily some of those girls are putting up a decent fight in the first five minutes or so i expect molly mccann who's the significantly shorter fighter in this matchup i expect her to get it done she's a minus 500 favorite which is absolute insanity uh, Bobita's making her UFC debut after reeling off some wins over really shitty competition. Seems like after she got a couple of losses there against decent competition, they decided we're never going to give her an opponent that's won a fight again. Uh, even though she has a 6.5-inch reach advantage in this matchup, she is three inches taller, six years younger than Meatball Molly McCann. I'm picking McCann here as my very first pick because I think she's faced better competition and she can whoop this ass. What do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, that was, you said all the things I was going to say when I picked her with my first pick, but you took that away from me. <laughs> Glad to hear it, motherfucker. Who do you have as your second? Oh, my second pick. I'm going to go all class. We are, uh, we're going to. I'm sorry, select... this would be your first pick. Yeah, I'm going to select uh, for my first pick, uh, Greg Hardy. 
over Greg ben Hardy Sis- over Greg Sassoli. Tell me why. I mean, be- <laughs> because the UFC is only going to give Greg Hardy fights he can win, um, and like we haven't. I don't think we've seen a whole. Uh, I mean, Sassoli had an eye gouge no contest as a contender series fight. He hasn't been in against UFC competition. Uh, most of the guys he's fought have very low uh, records um, over the last couple of years, two and two, three and three. He seems to be as an experience. He also has had a, he had a boxing match in there that he lost. I think he's coming in to lose to Greg Hardy. <laughs> so look, I agree with the pick, but I actually think Ben Sassoli has somewhat of a chance. He's going to be slower. He's going to be shorter. But he does hit really hard. He counters really well. He's got a good right hand. He can, you know, fight somewhat deep into a fight, at least with some energy. He trains with a solid team with Dan Kelly, Jake Matthews, Jim Crute. A guy like Jim Crute standing in front of you for practice in preparation for a Greg Hardy fight is not a bad deal. I actually think Sosoli has a shot, but Greg Hardy was my number three pick, if if not my number one or two. So not too far off on that one. I do think Sassoli's probably worth a couple of bucks as an underdog pick here. I still can't uh, wave off that Greg Hardy performance in which he lost to Alan Crowder. I mean, he's, he's ran through Dmitry Smolyakov, who had no interest in fighting him, and Juan Adams, who, I mean... Who popped for so PEDs after that fight, by the way. What's that? Smolyakov popped for PEDs after that fight. Oh, Smolnikov dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what a performance to take PEDs for, Nick. That you should fucking get your money back. That was a bad deal you made with that yeah. steroid dealer, Dimitri. So what? Uh, what but you- yeah, so <laughs> I I agree with the pick, but I think uh, Sosoli, based on the style matchup, actually has a decent chance. Just based on uh, the team that he trains with, based on his size, the two hundred sixty five pound heavyweight, big motherfucker, hits hard, counters well. I think uh, he's got a serious boxing experience as well. So it's not a bad style matchup for Sosoli, but he's making his UFC debut against Greg Hardy in the United States, and he's from New Zealand, Australia. So in this case, it's a guy coming from that region all the way over here, probably a 24-hour flight and probably having to adjust. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he's just coming into town on this Wednesday as we record this. This will be num- my number two pick from the main event in the matchup between Chris Weidman and Dominic Reyes. I have to give the edge to Dominic Reyes. I'm a believer in the guy. I know that a lot of folks crap on him a little bit and claimed that he didn't deserve the decision over Volkan Ozdemir. I really think that he did. I'm not saying it wasn't competitive, but I very much think he deserved that decision. I, I think he clearly wanted it. You and I rewatched it and we agreed. Volkan Ozdemir has since beat up on Iller Latifi. He's at the best point of his career. And I think that Dominic Reyes going up against Chris Weidman, who's not going to be particularly fast for 205. He was on the slow side for 185. He's not going to be one of the faster guys in this division. I think the height advantage is going to be significant here. 6'4 against 6'2. Although it lists Weidman as having a one-inch reach advantage, which I'd be pretty surprised if it works out that way. I like that Dominic Reyes is a southpaw, although Chris has a lot of experience fighting southpaws. He's 8-2 and two against southpaws. That's like the majority of his career really is against southpaws. Um, I, I think Reyes is going to kick at a distance. He's going to do a pretty good job of defending takedowns after the first round and a half, two rounds. Weidman usually gets fairly tired past that point. Wyman really did look his best in his last bout against Jacare Souza in those first couple of rounds. His stand-up looked about as good as I've seen. His fakes looked solid. When he did throw, he did fairly well, and he doesn't put a whole lot of power into much except for that occasional right hand. But once Jacare picked it up in that third round and, and Weidman is known for slowly losing gas and slowly looking worse and worse as the fight goes on, I expect the same thing to happen here. I think Reyes is ready for this matchup. I think it's coming at the right time. I think Chris Weidman 
isn't going to find himself in the top five of this division. He might find himself in the top ten sooner or later. That is if his chin can hold up to these really heavy hitters. But I've got Dominic Reyes all the way, man. How about you? Um, I think this is a pick em. I've, I think if Weidman can it's, – he's, he's fought – very, very competitively for most of the fight against uh, some great fighters over the last three or four years. Yes. And if if he But can... I do think style matchups really matter. And those guys are old and they barely throw. And Wyvin was able to look good for a couple of rounds until they actually threw something. And when they did, they hurt him. Well Gastelum throws a lot and he's a but he's like a but he could be a welterweight. The only the only path Chris Weidman has to win this fight is against the cage if Weidman can and his foot I don't think his footwork's bad if Weidman can get Reyes against the cage bad. which um Ostemir was able to do a bit um and dirty box a little get so close that those kicks don't matter and get a t- get some takedowns he's that's his path to victory I don't know if it's going to happen look at the the track record of people moving up a weight class um a couple it's guys have done well, like Whitaker, but lately it's it's not been a good look for Vic for Rockhold. Um, I'd hate to see Weidman get knocked out again. He uh, he had he got brutalized by Rockhold. He got really fucked up by Yoel Romero after he was winning Saucy. that he was winning the Romero fight. He was winning the Yakare fight. Uh, Musasi that was a weird one. He definitely got hurt. It was a strange finish though. It was like a no. Could have been a no contest, but he still took the damage. When your opponent legally knees you in the head and you, thinking that it was illegal, pretend like you're too hurt to fight, you've lost the fight. You got TKO'd, period. There's no argument to be made. Like, uh, that Busasi thing pisses me off because him and Raylongo protested it. But when you yourself claim that you cannot continue, and we saw that those strikes were perfectly legal that were landed on you, you lost by TKO. You made you You orchestrated that loss by saying you can't continue. There's no argument to be made there. Musasi TKO'd him like everybody else did to me. But I hear you. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm fired up about it, Nick. Fired up. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Well, we know that you like Dominic Reyes. Um, and I think I think Reyes is probably going to win. Um, I just, yeah, I, so I just you, kind you of feel – I like everything about Weidman except the – and he's local. I just – except for his Trump stuff. But I don't want to get into that because our show is apolitical. Um, well, yeah. So, g- given, given the region he comes from, it does kind of make sense though. Given uh, th- that he comes from kind of deep into Long Island, but not quite the Hamptons, uh, that's Trump country. What's your next picnic? What's your number two? I'm going to go with uh, Yair Rodriguez over Jeremy Stevens. We got a little. We we didn't have we didn't have much of a sample size, but before he got poked in the eyes, it seemed like Jeremy Stevens got hit 17 times. Um, yes. So I don't I don't know what he's going to be able to do. I mean I think Rodriguez behaved terribly. I think he's a little bitch. I do not like him much as a person or even really as a fighter. But I just don't know. I I, I don't see Stevens being able to get off uh, frequently enough to uh, to take this fight. I think Rodriguez probably wins the decision. But I think like I think the third round, um, similarly to to Stevens' fight against the beat. He'll uh, he'll come back and redeem himself a little bit and maybe scare Rodriguez, maybe catch him. But I think Rodriguez will be too quick, and uh, he'll get on his bicycle to prevent himself from getting uh, you know slept. That said, part of me would really enjoy watching Jeremy Stevens sleep Yair Rodriguez, but I got to pick Yair 
following that following what we saw. You were as riled up about that Rodriguez Stevens kind of finish and what happened after the fight was called off. You were as riled up about that as I am riled up about Musasi Weidman being called anything but a clear cut win for Musasi. Uh, you were really pissed. So I'm surprised you took him this early. You must have really put your feelings to the side. Yeah, here's the thing. What goes in Jeremy Stevens' favor here is that Jeremy Stevens fights better when he's angry and that Yair Rodriguez is not a guy that's known for fighting angry. So maybe if Rodriguez is pissed off and goes balls to the wall, maybe Stevens can get his kind of fight and win. But I do think the three-round factor uh, definitely ranges in favor favor of Rodriguez. However, the fact that it's not a Mexico City, I think, is probably more in Stevens' favor and the fact that they're not fighting at elevation, which is something Rodriguez is used to. Um, I think Rodriguez, who is the much faster man here, we've spoken about this before, right? And my belief that most people can be fairly fast, especially if you have some fast twitch muscle fiber on you. The problem is that you can only be fast for so long. You're going to slow down at some point. And I think Rodriguez would have started slowing down around that third round into the fourth and fifth rounds, uh, depending on how much damage he put on Stevens by then is what would have decided that fight. In this case, Rodriguez, if he stays in the same shape that he was in for Mexico City, uh, at sea level, essentially, fighting this weekend, I think he's going to have a big edge in speed, man. He's going to be able to keep it up, I think, for the majority of the three rounds. Can he get caught? Yes, but I still got uh, Rodriguez there. In fact, that was going to be my next pick, so I'm in complete agreement with you on that one, Nick. What do you got next? Drum roll, please. My very next pick, my third pick of the night, Nick. I'm kind of making a last-second choice here between a couple of fighters. I know I exactly I will... which two you're picking between, but go ahead. Tell me, please. No, I'm not going to tell you. If I tell you, I'm going to give away my next pick. That's fair. My next pick, I think it's got to be Manny Bermudez over Charles Rosa. I know Charles Rosa is 11-3 and three and trains an American top team and a longtime featherweight, and Manny Bermudez is now coming up to featherweight from bantamweight. And Bermudez is coming off of a loss, but he's coming off a loss to Casey Kenny, who I'm a pretty big believer in. He actually was five pounds off making weight in that one, which is pretty bad. Yeah, I remember. I don't think Charles Rosa is that super athletic of a guy. I think that if a guy's got an athletic advantage over him who doesn't have a big gas tech disadvantage, he's going to lose. Guys like Gary Rodriguez, Shane Burgos, even Dennis Siebert beat him a few years ago. He's got wins over Sean Soriano, who washed out of the UFC. And a win over Kyle Bochniak, who, you know, if a couple of split decisions went the other way, Bochniak may have not had a very good record uh, in the UFC. Although Bochniak is a fucking dog. So that's probably his best win of his career. I've got Manny Bermudez. I think he's going to be able to do some stuff on the ground. He actually showed some serious power in his last bout against Casey Kenny. Much more power than I expected standing up. And he went to decision there. Looked fairly fresh throughout. He put a lot of damage on the much, much, much smaller Kenny. Here he'll face a guy that's a little bit closer to the size, but I expect a, a better performance the last time. I expect he should be able to control more of those ground positions. He's not necessarily going to be at a wrestling disadvantage here, although Charles Rosa is a pretty good wrestler, a pretty scrappy guy, a, a good scrambler. I'm picking Manny Bermudez, but I do see this flight as closer than the first four that you and I picked. I, had, I also had Manny Bermudez for all the reasons you described, but I would I was saving that one till later. Um I Interesting. Thought, I think I think there's at least two fights that are easier picks um on this card. Tell me, Nick. Um I think uh I'm gonna go with Macy Barber over Jillian Robertson next. Okay. 
Tell me more. Tell me why. Well, I just I like Macy. I think she's got a she's a prospect with a huge upside. Um, Jillian Robertson did win her last fight in Canada, but I think you know I think she's very much the gatekeeper here, and I think uh, Barber is more or less uh, steamrolled everyone so far, and I think she's going to be. I think I think she's going to be too much. Yeah, I I wonder about Barber's takedown defense. I do think that Robertson, if she gets on top can do some things. She can potentially finish, potentially put her in some bad positions, maybe almost finish and score some serious points that way. I think a lot of it depends on that. But I do think Barbara is significantly more athletic yeah. than the longtime American top team uh, fighter. I think, yeah, I, I give Barbara the edge here, but I do see it as a bit of a risky fight, maybe a little bit riskier than the Bermudez fight. Uh, you and I kind of have these flipped, it sounds like. But I, I do wonder if your next pick if that's going to be Darren Wynn, because that's who I am picking next, Nick. No, it wasn't. There's um, a, I think there's a, I think there's a fight that's pretty obvious on the card that we've pro- both let go for too long. But uh, I think I, I think I see what what fight you're talking about. I, I'm just not convinced that it's as obvious. Like I haven't seen enough to think it's obvious. But anyway, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to I'm gonna stick to my pick here, Darren Wynn. Look. He looked pretty human in his UFC debut against Eric Spicely, who took the fight on very short notice. Eric Spicely had significant size advantage over him, and everybody's going to, right? Dan Stewart is a heavy hitter. He's going to be significantly bigger than Darren Wynn here. But I think Darren Wynn can get takedowns. Darren Stewart looked really good in his last fight against uh, Bevon Lewis. Really just out-athleted him, did well in the clinch, defended takedowns, was able to outstrike the guy at every range, kicked hard as hell to uh, Lewis's legs, but Edmund Shabazian in the fight before that, granted Edmund might be a really special prospect for all we know, Edmund was able to take him down eight times, man. And Darren Wynn is very much a Daniel Cormier protege, somebody who fights very much like Daniel Cormier, also the shorter man who pressures forward, mostly with striking, but with the danger of wrestling in there as well. I would love Darren Wynn to go for way more takedowns than he did in his last matchup. I think him going up against Spicely essentially convinced him not to go for very many takedowns because he was concerned about Spicely's ground game. That is not a concern with Dan Stewart. I really hope he goes for takedowns here because that's how he's going to win the bout. And I think I can predict your next picnic. Uh, what do you think well, about well, this matchup? Well, first, this matchup. I mean, we're also talking about a guy who who has a win over Tom Lawler um, in the yeah, last, in the last year, which is no you know nothing to nothing to sneeze at. Um, and that's Lawler's right. a hell of a wrestler, right? Um, and Darren Stewart's British, and we know what that means. Um, as far as, yeah, I think uh, I think Dar- I think Darren Wynn looks like a beast, a little tiny cute beast. Yeah, he's five five, five. kind of like a build a bear, just like a Jesus. little tiny he's cuddly five, beast. He's five five, and he beat Tom and he beat filthy Tom Lawler. Yeah, well, I think Tom Lawler's crazy. six feet or six foot one. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. Yeah, and by the way, he only got like one takedown late in the fight. Yeah, he's just he's just a tank. Um, my so I'm that I'm in agreement there. We haven't really had many thing fights that we disagree on. Um, the next fight is, and it's not because I know a lot about Jonathan Pierce, but I'm gonna pick Jonathan Pierce over Joe Lozon, just because J Lo is as exciting and as smart as a fighter as he is. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's there anymore. I don't think his body, I don't think his, uh, I don't think his body can do it. Um, so I'm not going to, I don't feel comfortable really picking him against anyone fighting in the UFC. Yeah. I, I think 
I think you probably have that right. I mean, this isn't Joe Lozon's hometown, and I think that might work in his favor. He's got a few of the guys that train at his gym fighting on this event, and that might help as well. The fact that it was several guys kind of going through training camp together may have kept Lozon a little more focused, a little more involved, hopefully not as a coach, more as a fighter. But you're right, man. He is two and five in his last seven fights. Man. And he, that Mar- and if I remember correctly, that Marcine held fight, he lost. That Mar- Mar- Marcine Yeah, held, he should have lost it. So that would be five losses in a row, and then a win against Diego Sanchez, which, whatever. Um, Back in 16, where Sanchez was in the worst probably point of his career, yeah, by the way. That's three, a good point. Yeah, three I'll go points, ago. and it's a good pick. And then, and then he lost, so... I mean, going back to the Iaquinta loss, and tw- like, in, yeah, he, in, not a lot of good stuff has happened for him in the last four years. Honestly, the last good, really good thing that happened. I mean, he did beat Gomi, but you can't really count that either. Four years ago was the yeah. Chies- was the Chiesa fight where he cut Chiesa. Um, it's yeah, it's been. I mean, I he's he's a he's a, a legend of a fighter. I just don't think he's gonna have anything for uh, for a twenty seven year old kid. Yeah, I feel you there. I'm I'm in agreement. Hard to argue with that man, honestly. Fighting out of MMA lab, by the way. That's right. Next up, Nick. Um, I guess I'm gonna pick. I I kind of had this a little bit further down. I actually had somebody a little bit ahead of this pick, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make this pick now. I'm going to between Court McGee and Sean Brady. I'm going to pick the UFC debutante Sean Brady in that matchup. Court McGee has been going through a little bit of a tough time lately. I mean, his overall record is 19-8. and eight, Not super impressive. He hasn't put two wins together since back in 2013, Nick, where he won a split decision over Robert Whitaker and a decision over Joss Neer. Since then, he's been a win and a loss, a win and a loss, a couple of losses in a row, but no pair of wins. Uh, this, I expect, will probably be his second loss in a row as he loses to Sean Brady. Sean Brady actually had a hard time getting decent footage on the guy. He does train with Henzo Gracie's team in Philadelphia, which I think is an up-and-coming team starting to do well in the local scene at least. His last win was over a former training partner of mine who was 8-1 going into that bout, Tajuddin Abdul-Hakim. He was able to TKO him in the fourth round of a, I think, somewhat competitive bout, if I understand it correctly, although I didn't get to see it. There's not a whole lot of footage available on the guy, but he's supposed to be a really good wrestler, supposed to have good hands, certainly has the cardio to compete with his opponent, who McGee, you know, known for his cardio overall, but probably not going to put a whole lot out there as far as power and speed. I expect Sean Brady to pick up a victory here, Nick. What do you think of that matchup? Um, I agree with everything that you said again. We're very much on the same page. That was going to be my next pick was Brady over McGee. Um, we need more con- We need more conflict on this card. Um my next but, but you know what? Despite us agreeing on every – even if it ends up being every fight, we still have the potential for a winner and a loser in, with this kind of way of draft picking. So oh, yeah. I think it just makes it way more exciting. makes every oh, fight count so much. Um, let's just bang through the next couple because we're dealing with we're dealing with some very little-known cats yes, on sir. the rest of this card. Um, I've got uh, Kyle Bochniak uh, against Sean over, uh, over Sean Woodson. Um I feel like we've seen Bajniak, uh, you know, win a couple of fights on his toughness and and lose a couple where he impressed everybody with his toughness, uh, like his fight against Zabit. But he's lost two in a row, um, and he's taken on the eight and four. I'm sorry, the six and zero oh, uh, Sean Woodson, who won on the Contender Series by flying knee, but is otherwise making his debut. 
and the guys that he's fought are i mean low records like 3 and 4 0 oh and 3 4 and 1 and he's going up against uh against Bajniak who's kind of you know is a UFC veteran at this point i mean he does have the loss to Charles Rosa he's been uh, he hasn't had a great run let's put it that way he's two he's 2 and 4 um and he hasn't i mean aside from Zabit he hasn't fought uh, terrific competition, but it's still uh, oh, high, it's still a higher level. He's he's won against a higher level of competition than Woodson has with his fights against. He has the win against Brandon. Just his wins against Brandon Davis and Enrique Barzola um, alone, uh, let alone the the toughness he showed against the beat is just more than we've seen from someone like Sean Woodson uh, in his short career. Yeah, Sean Woodson actually fought on the Contender Series and fought Terrence McKinney. He actually took the fight on five days' notice. McKinney is a Division Two, I think, place number five in, in whatever year, senior, junior year, or, or something like that in college. A really good wrestler, was able to take Woodson down and control him. And then the moment Woodson was able to get up in that second round, man, he threw a high kick, blocked, and then he threw a flying knee, and it was over, man. Um, the guy is huge. For the featherweight division, Nick, he's 6'2 78 inch reach. He's going to have a five and a half feet height advantage, an eight inch reach advantage. So I actually disagree with you on the pick, but I just feel like Kyle Botchnik isn't necessarily like high level in his wrestling. Think about the guys that he beat. They're not exactly names that anybody would be super proud of. Enrique Barzola, most people thought that he didn't deserve that win. And Brandon Davis, he clearly beat him, I thought. And it's because he was able to get takedowns against a very, very, very mediocre fighter in Brandon Davis. And Brandon Davis has a shit UFC record himself, right? So as far as I'm concerned, the guy could be one and, what is it, five or one and six in the UFC. if uh, One and five in the UFC if that Enrique Barzola decision goes the way that it should go. Um, I'm not a big believer in him. I do think he's tough as hell and he's going to push forward. I just think he's kind of a poor man's – who was that last week that that beat Pena, Nick? Frivola. Frivola, that's right. He's, he's kind of a poor man's Frivola, a much less successful Frivola, but very similar in, in the skill set overall, I would say. Um, a very similar style matchup he has here against a much taller opponent who's making his UFC debut. I'm, I favor Sean. I'm actually going to switch. I'm going to switch my pick on this one. I've never what done the that fuck, in the middle dude? of the show. No, I didn't, really, I didn't realize that Sean Woodson had five inch reach on Zabit. And I'm like, Zabit. That's bullshit. <laughs> uh, you're not, I can't. That is. Anything. That is, so no, you, you can, but you, you can, but I call shenanigans because like after I made the argument for the opposite is when you picked well, you, it. It's, well, you but you, you, well, you brought up, you, you brought up a stat and I looked up the stat and I had missed it. All right. I, I call shenanigans, but that's fine. So you're changing to Kyle. What's, uh, Sean Woodson. What's his first name? Sorry. Sean Woodson. Got it. Yeah. I did um, not re- cool. I didn't realize he had a 79 inch reach at that weight class. Nick, I'm just going to keep giving you my picks and you can match them all. I feel like you'll have a better chance of success that way anyway. <laughs> um, all right, so you gotta, you, next you, one. You think, you think you're good at playing the heel, but... I'm not I'm not that good at it. I'm no Kobe Covington, I will say that much. All right, so I'm changing, I'm changing that pick to Woodson. That's the cool. only time you've ever... Ch- I've, cha- I've made you, convinced you to change your mind before on picks. Anyway, go um, I don't know if you... Uh, I don't think you've convinced me. I've changed my mind like after doing further research... Uh, but I, I don't think you've ever convinced me. Um, like, like in the oh, you you, ha, you have talked me out of certain picks, but I think I stayed stubborn, and it was my mistake. 
Like I should have listened to you and changed my pick, but I didn't. Um, Nick, bad decision making has been really the story of my life, and it's brought me here. Here we are <laughs> on a Wednesday night recording a podcast. <laughs> um, so it's almost next Thursday up, Nick, morning, to be fair. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, you're not kidding. 11.53 p.m. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Next up, Nick, my sixth pick is going to be none other than Boston Salmon. Oh. Um, I I don't think he's anything all that special. He's like a good boxer, and he trains with Extreme Couture, from what I understand, which is pretty solid, pretty high level. He lost that fight to Kalitaha, the heaviest hitter at 135. He got caught very early on. Randy Costa, also a super heavy hitter, especially early on. He really blew his gas tank in the first five minutes against Brandon Davis. He was beating up Brandon Davis. And then the second round, Brandon Davis just threw a flurry from the beginning, took him down, and rear naked choked him. Just completely, completely had no gas left for the second five-minute period of that fight. I think that as long as Boston Salmon stays careful, and he is. He's not the most exciting fighter unless he knocks you out. He's fairly careful. He always waits for the counter. He never really throws first, uh, except for the occasional jab. I think Costa will give him plenty to counter early, and if Boston Salmon can survive the first five minutes, he should be able to do some damage in the second and possibly third round if it goes that far. What do you think of the matchup? Yeah, I agree with that. I remember. I forgot that he got flattened by Khalid Taha, who also looked amazing a couple weeks ago. He did. He looked good. With respect to this fight, I think. I mean, I think this is kind of a pick 'em, um, but I'm I'm comfortable going with Boston Salmon in Boston. I'm there with you. What's next, Nick? Well, What's only, your fifth, sixth only, pick of the night? There's only two left, and we're down to the pick 'em fights that no one gives a shit about except these fighters. That's parents. right. Um, That's right. I guess I'm going to go with Kevin Holland over Brendan Allen. Um, if you're going to ask me why. <laughs> why, Nick? <laughs> I didn't realize I uh, it was absolutely necessary, but I'm willing to, Nick, every time. Yeah. Um, I mean... He's been pretty, he's done pretty well. He has that win against Bubba McDaniel. He was only lost to Curtis Melender and Tiago Santos uh, recently. And yeah, Melender has has been kind of exposed uh, recently. They actually fought in the main event of a of a non UFC card at an on an LFA Legacy Fighting Alliance uh, card a couple of years ago. And yeah, he got that win over Gerald Mearshart. I just I don't this is not a this is not a fight I'm like very excited about but same here I mean he fights weird and he's boring and odd and I still can't figure out how or why he's winning against Alessio DeCherico or Gerald Merchart like I I don't get how he got those decision wins especially Alessio DeCherico I thought that was a clear win for DeCherico but Brandon Allen is making his UFC debut is largely an unknown commodity he's lost I think every name that he's fought I do disagree with the pick just because I, I'm kind of pissed at Kevin Holland for being a frustrating fighter to watch. And and uh, Brendan Allen, from what I understand, is a good grappler, trains at Rufus Sport. He's only 23 years old, but he's got a world of experience going 12-3 and three in his pro career and also having uh, an amateur career of one, two, three, four, uh, five fights, and like 5-0 oh in, in the amateurs as well. So 
a decent bit of experience on the guy, even though he's making his UFC debut. I do disagree on the pick, but I see it as a complete pick. Him, there's a reason it's you know our last you know, regular yeah. draft pick. Do you know why Holland is frustrating? Is because he he trains at Travis Luter MMA, and Luter was one of the most frustrating fighters. No you fucking get, joke. That guy he, was so dangerous for about three minutes of every fight, and also, then he gets not a, a shot. second he, after that. He goes that. through the whole reality show. He gets a shot at Anderson Silva. He misses weight. It's non-title, oh, and he man. still and he still gets mount. Remember when he had mount on Anderson Silva? Yeah, yeah, man. He had him close to finished at points. Yeah, but I mean that was a period. Of, like then for the next several years, you couldn't imagine until Chael Sonnen. You couldn't imagine. No one had had Silva in a position that vulnerable. Anyway, yeah. Little flashback to Travis Luter. Um, so Kevin Holland is your final pick, Nick. Yeah. Uh, my. The tiebreaker is going to be between Daniel Spitz and Tanner Bowser. Daniel Spitz is six and two. Uh, I think he lo- his only two losses uh, are in the UFC. He's got a win against Anthony Hamilton and a loss to Walt Harris and Godbeer. Walt Harris is nothing to be ashamed of. Godbeer, I don't think, is anything to write home about. Uh, I'm going to pick Tanner Bowser here. I think he's just like a really boring kind of karate style, Machida style fighter. Just stays in the back leg, waits for an opportunity to counter with something big. Uh, doesn't always land it, but does just enough to win a super, super slow and boring decision. I'm going to pick him, but I would not at all be surprised that the notably taller Daniel Spitz was able to do his thing here against the Canadian Tanner Bowser. What do you think of the matchup? I trust your instincts on this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, Spitz has been out for Spitz has been out for 16 months, and he's got an eight-inch reach advantage. So again, he certainly has the possibility of doing his thing here against a much shorter fighter. But uh, I favor him here. So you favor Spitz, so I'm stuck with Bozer? Uh, no, I, I, I favor Bozer. Oh, you favor which Bozer. Means Spitz is, so I'll yeah, take which the, means Spitz the, is the your guy to cheer for. Spitz. Excellent. We're going to take a break, come back, uh, give you our betting recommendations for this weekend's UFC on ESPN 6. And we're also going to talk about last week's bets. We'll be right back. And we are back to the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. We're going to get into the MMA Geeks betting guide, Nick. Last week went okay for me. It didn't go very well for you. But you didn't put a whole lot of money up is the good news. You put 50 bucks on a Dern and Gracie parlay. I actually bet on them as well on a parlay. I agreed with you on that bet entirely. But that totally went uh, haywire on us. I will say, though, it particularly sucks when one person in a parlay doesn't win. When both don't win, it kind of works out. Like, they might as well both lose, right? What do you have to gain from one of them winning? Except, Nick, that you put a $25 bet on Dern. That one didn't work out either. Tim Elliott, you believed in as an underdog. You put 15 bucks only on him, which was great. You know, good that you didn't lose much there. Um, Nick, for me, I ended up having uh, $99 in profits, $40 in losses, with a $59 profit overall. Uh, I bet on um, I bet on Fervola, 35 bucks to win 49 I bet on Devin Clark over Span, 30 bucks uh, loss. I bet on Elliott. I figured he was a live underdog at 19 bucks, and that was a loss. Morono at plus 130, I put $31 on him to win $40. And then I hedged with a Sanchez bet of 20 bucks uh, for my parlays later. I, I put a couple of hedge bets in there. I lost on that one. Waterson, 10 bucks, lost on that. But my parlay of Baeza and Joanna Yenjacek at minus 102.1. Uh, $49 profit on that $50 bet. I also had a parlay on Aldridge and Vittori at plus 119, a $50 win on that one. 
I also had Dern and Gracie in a parlay, 40 bucks loss on that one. Overall, a $59 profit. It's not major bank, but I will take it over a loss any day, Nick. Anytime I get plus money, I'm a happy man. Um, when it comes to this week's UFC on ESPN 6, I recommend a straight bet of $75 on Reyes over Weidman. I think minus 165 for a much bigger man who's basically untouchable so far and defeated against a guy who's really been faltering and struggling at a lower weight division. I, I think I like that bet. I don't think Weidman will have a speed advantage at 205 considering how slow he was at 185. I recommend a straight bet of $50 on Rodriguez at minus 110. It's a pick fight, but I really like him to win the three-rounder here in particular. Uh, Sassoli at plus 255 over Greg Hardy. I'll put 10 bucks on him. It's not much of a sacrifice, and it's going to work as a little bit of a hedge for a parlay that I have involving his opponent later on. Brendan Allen at plus 140 over Kevin Holland. I would recommend putting down 30 bucks on him at plus 140. That will net you something decent. And then the parlays. I recommend Pierce and Wynn. Minus 155 and minus 125 respectively. I think I'll get pretty good plus money. Something around plus 200 uh, with, the, with those kind of odds. I recommend 35 bucks on that bet. I also recommend a parlay of Bermudez and Barber. Minus 145 and minus 135 respectively. 30 bucks on that parlay. Also a parlay of Greg Hardy and Yari Rodriguez. Minus 310, minus 110. And that should net you something close to even odds. Uh, I recommend $50 on that parlay. That should round it out for me, Nick. I actually had a couple, and you stole my thunder because I was going to, I was going to, I swear to God, I was going uh, with the Bermudez Barber parlay. And then the only other thing that I would suggest would be a, and that would be a parlay of $50. And I was going to suggest a $50 straight bet on Yaya Rodriguez. I like it. 50 bucks. I can't believe you're putting money on Greg Hardy, man. We all know how you feel, and yet you're willing to earn make money off of him. Hey, you um, gotta look, yeah, you're I, the I, only one that's got to look in the mirror, Stan. Nick, I look in the mirror every day, and besides the incredibly multi-time broken nose, pretty happy with what I see. Although I don't actually look into my own eyes, and that might actually, uh, that might actually be to your point. Here we I, are, Nick. I didn't Here actually notice are. that your nose was, had ever been broken. Oh, Nick, multiple goddamn times. Like the first time, I think, when I was three or four years old, I think, in kindergarten, I opened this heavy gate door right into my own face. I was trying to help a pretty lady get out of the uh, kindergarten grounds, and it turned out to be a bad move. It wasn't as smooth as I planned it. <laughs> even at even at three and four years old, Nick, apparently I was trying to mack it to the to the pretty ladies. I think she was like the mom of one of my best friends now, in school, I, too. I, don't, I never really thought your nose looked broken. I did realize that it gets into a room about four minutes before you do, but... Aside from that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically a zigzag if you really pay attention to it. I'm like a decent looking person in, in person, but then in pictures you can see the zigzag. It is just so evident. It's kind yeah. of fucking cool actually. I, I appear like a very different human uh, in front of a camera versus in person. But has John Jones, I don't know, run over a pregnant lady, tried to talk Frankie Edgar to come up to 205 pounds? What, what, what are his plans? Is Conor McGregor punched an old lady as she was trying to cross the street? All right, all right, all right. If you want to come up with some false equivalencies, that's cool. Um, <coughs> I'm kidding. I bet you was my first pick of the night, for Christ's sake. Yeah, no, I, I, I realize that, Nick. You are a Greg Hardy homer if I've ever met one. Oh, that is not true. You've picked him um, almost every time, Nick. You love Greg Hardy. I do not love Greg Hardy. I think, you the, UFC, love I think the UFC loves Greg Hardy. Oh, that's for goddamn sure the UFC loves Greg Hardy. Because the UFC sucks at picking who the real prospects, who the real stars are. 
I think they're hoping for some headlines as Greg Hardy continues to win, but like they they miss out on the Nate Diaz's of the world. They miss out on on these uh, on the George Mosfetals of the world until these guys just make it so fucking clear to the world that they're superstars that the UFC has no choice but to promote them. But yeah, man, they missed the boat. If you're not pretty and blonde or an ex NFL athlete, an ex pro wrestling champion, you're not getting a whole lot of rub from the UFC. Speaking of which, Cain Velasquez taking on Brock Lesnar in Saudi Arabia. I am so into that shit. I'm glad Kane is uh, moving on with his career. I do wonder, like, longevity-wise, taking bumps and, and what that's going to do to his back. He's already had back issues as an MMA fighter. Can't imagine that's going to help. Unless he gets on steroids, by the way. If he gets on steroids in, in WWE, and I know he left the USADA program officially, he retired from the UFC. If if he gets on steroids, he'll be fine, dude. He's going to get jacked. Well, he's going to feel awesome for the rest of his life. He needs to get life. on something because his, bo- his body does not look good for uh, for WWE. He looks he looks like a giant baby. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? The, the fact that he's known as – like you don't need to look like Ken Shamrock in his heyday as long as you are a super athletic heavyweight who can do things no other heavyweight can do and you're a legitimate, legitimate super dangerous fighter – Who's oh, beating in, Brock Lesnar in, in a in real UFC, fight? In UFC, yes, but in I think it's a little bit different in WWE. But I think oh, I think we'll find I think we'll see him get a little bit more cut up while he's while he's uh, in sports entertainment. Yeah, it would disappoint me a little bit, but in pro pro wrestling, I have no issue with that. Man, you you get all the steroids you need as long as you're not intentionally causing head trauma into other human beings with your heavier hands and your faster twitch muscle fibers. That's fine. Like baseball, right. I don't give a shit. Take steroids. This is a different story. Cool. Well, we're going to come at you guys uh, next week. What's our next card? Next week, Nick, we have UFC Fight Night 162, where Damian Maia goes up against uh, Ben Askren. It's a damn good main event. Michael Jackson, Stevie Ray, Frank Camacho, Benil Dariush. Not necessarily a completely full card of, of murderers and killers and names. Random Marcos, Ashley Yoder. I mean, it's it's almost kind of a redemption night. Mavsar Evloev is going up against Enrique Barzola. That's an interesting, intriguing matchup. Sergei Pavlovich is going up against Maurice Green, another serious prospect than Maurice Green. That could be interesting. Jeff Hughes is coming back after that weird Todd Duffy fight. Um, not really an awesome card next week, to be honest with you, Nick. Oh, and you also have Frank Mir against Roy Nelson on Bellator. Frank Mir against Roy Nelson is when, uh, is that Bellator? Yeah. That about makes sense. Uh, also, by the way, UFC 244, MSG. I was promised uh, second row seats, worst case for this, uh, by a good friend of mine. I don't know if you ever made um, that phone call. But that's November 2nd, man. Diaz versus Masvidal, it. motherfucker. I'm working on it. Do it, Nick. Do it. Holding your feet to the fire in front of our dozens and dozens of listeners, Nick. <laughs> uh, I promise everybody I'll have better energy next week. It was a long flight in uh, in week today. Or long it was. It's been a long few days, but uh, if I don't. By the sound... way, by the way, you 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 mentioned uh, uh, family health issues. I, I hope all worked out okay. Yeah, I, I hope all is well, at least as of now. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, things are looking. Uh, they're looking better. Um, That's great for, to hear, man. Very much for us. Definitely glad to hear that. So yeah, next week's card kind of mediocre. UFC two forty four, fucking awesome. And I hope to get some press passes, Nick. What do you think? Should we should we apply for it in case your connection doesn't work out? Uh, yeah, I think that they'll look at our at all of at the eight thousand reviews that we have on iTunes. And uh, <laughs> God damn it, Nick! Nobody's writing us reviews. Uh, Kevin Lee, Gregor Gillespie, Derek Lewis, Blagojevich, 
Vincente Luque, Stephen Thompson, Kelvin Gastelum, Darren Till, and I haven't even mentioned the main event, Corey Anderson, Johnny Walker, Shane Burgos, Maquan Amrikani, uh, Edmund Shabazian versus Brad Tavares. Nick, this is a stacked goddamn card. Andre Arlovsky versus Jarzinho, Rosenstruck, Caitlin Shukagian, Jennifer Maya, the couple of top flyweights, Lyman Good versus Chance Run Country. This is like a serious fucking card, top to bottom, Nick. If a good friend of mine does come through and get his tickets, I expect to be there from before the first fight of the night, man. That is, this is a, I'm looking at it now. That main, fucking that card. Main, I hope the MMA main, gods don't ravage it. That main card is awesome. Absolutely. Dude, just over every part of this fucking card Jeez, is solid the, as fuck. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? Early prelims this could be main events single, on a fight night. Every single... I want to see every single fight on this card. Same here, man. Phenomenal card. I cannot fucking wait for it. And in the meantime, we'll have to suffer through UFC Fight Night 162 next uh, the week after this weekend. But we do have a pretty good fucking event coming up. UFC on ESPN 6, I think, for the ESPN cards. Yeah. The UFC well, there already was, uh, saves up some good stuff. You, there already was one, in, one injury. Christophe Jacot was supposed to fight Edmund Shabazian. And, but Tavares oh, is that's in good to late, know. But Tavares is coming in on late notice. and. I'd really... say so. Tavares is a phenomenal test, man. Yeah, I mean Tavares beat Jaco, I guess, last year. So there you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. Edmund Shabazz gets a little bit of a step up and a matchup that really will hold his feet to the fire, but not ultra dangerous. Brad Tavares is not a finisher, so Shabazzian should be able to use his heavy hands. Uh, might be able to use his wrestling. He's super athletic, and so is Brad Tavares. That should be interesting. I think the only guy to make Brad Tavares look really bad so far is the 185-pound champ, Israel Adesanya. So looking forward to seeing that prospect. Uh, uh, meet Robert, up with Robert that Whitaker made him look pretty bad, too. Yeah, but but he he, he didn't get smoked, I feel like, like uh, like Adesanya was able to. Did he finish him, Robert Whitaker? He got knocked out in 44 seconds. Oh, wow, you're not kidding. He just ran through him. I don't even remember that. Fascinating. It's such a shame. I really like Brad Tavares. He's a guy that... Uh, I've been kind of watching, you know, kind of has athleticism, not super fast, doesn't necessarily have all of it together, but he's just a really good dude that you want to see succeed. Unfortunately, you know, he's, he's pretty well. He's got some. He's a journeyman. He's got some trademark. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a few yeah. scalps and Jaco and Palace Lates and Kyle Mattelis. But his losses are out of Sonya Whitaker, Poach, Romero, Aaron Simpson. Like, those are, you know. Those are all, those are all really good fighters. Yeah. All top 15, I think, at the time that he fought them to be fair. Now he's going up against Edmund Shabazzi, who I don't think is ranked yet, but is knocking on the door, man. This guy could be something special. Trains with Edmund Tavertian and that old Ronda Rousey crew, but he looks like an excellent fighter. Really talented guy. I'm looking forward to seeing both of them. By the way, Johnny Walker, Corey Anderson could very well decide who the next challenger to John Jones, 25 pound title is. That is, if John Jones can go a low level 170 pound. Good one in the books, Nick. Looking forward to next week. Uh, enjoy yourself, buddy. Uh, I'm talking to you. Nick, it's Nick. MSC, Nick. Do it.